You don't need to add. It's good enough. I just, it's I just good like enough. It. You, got, you got excited. Uh-oh. Hey, y'all. Uh-oh. Welcome to Cross Politics on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. If you guys don't know, we're actually on DirecTV on Thursdays, <sighs> TLN, Xfinity on what? Fridays, and then we got a couple uh, local TV stations in Michigan and in uh, New Mexico that air us on um, Saturday. People also. put these mugs on yeah. TV. We're what? sorry. We're yeah. very sorry. <laughs> well, I'm not, 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 not sorry. Gabe's but, the only one not sorry. I, I'm happy, you know. Yeah, like, hey, yeah, like my shirt. Make sure you guys uh-huh. sign up for our conference October 1st through the 3rd. Early bird registration deadline is June 15th. June okay. 15th. Okay. June, 15th. Okay. Right. June 15th. We A lot of people are signing up and getting, taking advantage of that. Just over there shaking Early bird shirt. registration. Fight, so laugh, feast. We can't wait for Nashville in October. Fight, I can't, laugh, I can't feast. wait for some good Fight, barbecue. Oh, that's, that's. Yeah, you, you know that would be your excitement. You know what? Yeah. I, I Some of wait. us are excited about the conference. Thank you, <laughs> and singing songs with our brothers and sisters. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's true. Real. That's true. Hey, this show is brought to you by One Hat Technologies. It's a software development company. Their motto, which I love, yes, is software craftsmanship to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how can you go wrong with that? One Hat builds custom apps of all kinds: business apps, mobile apps, web apps, desktop apps, even apps for smart home devices. One Hat is not a hat store. No. They made us one hat one time. They, they but, did. He made us cut. <laughs> we he had made a hat. special hats for, for uh, that. If you're in the market to have a new app developed, you should definitely check out one hat. Go to one hat.com forward slash cross politic. Yeah. Tell them we sent you. Today. Support the people that support us. With us on the line right now, as you can see, his beautiful mug, Eric Muldrow. <laughs> He's founder, lead speaker, content creator at Code Red Conversations. He served on the Las Vegas PD from 1996 to 2014. While on the force, he was a firearms instructor, active shooter instructor, defensive tactics instructor, which means watch out. Are we in trouble? It means police brutality. Are we, <laughs> are we about to get arrested? Uh, why he's here? Something. Uh-oh. Eric, thank you so much for being brave enough to come on CrossPolitik. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, ha- having me on, fellas, I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, um, you know, where to start? Of course, is the hard <laughs> is the hard thing. But um, we've been watching the news. We're not too far from Seattle, and uh, mm. Antifa has set up an autonomous zone huh? uh, on Capitol Hill in Seattle, where they've got these barricades. Uh, no police are welcome. Huh. Uh, they've got guys with AR-15s apparently uh, guarding it. Guarding it. They've ta- they've taken over a uh, uh, police department. Um, Liberals have guns. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, yes. This is this is wow. what um, is uh, this is what Twitter is telling us at least. Um, well, and, and, if, if Twitter says it, it has to be fact. It, it is. <laughs> it is. Yes. Uh, so, Eric, uh, given your experience, um, you know you you're in charge of Seattle. What do you do? What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm not in charge, <laughs> and that's why I'm retired. But seriously, if I'm in a situation like that, well, first of all, if I'm in that situation, Seattle doesn't even get that far. Antifa doesn't even get the impression that they have power or authority to do such things. What we're seeing right now is a just the continuation of a long history of liberal policies and the police basically just punking out. We're getting punked out and doing Mm. nothing. So you have these these uh, radical leftists now who think they can run a whole city. And unfortunately, that mindset is spreading throughout the country now. You're just seeing, hearing more and more uh, of these insane people wanting to defund the police and so on and so forth. So if once again, just to reiterate, if I'm in charge, 
Antifa and these leftist radicals, they don't even think that they have the authority and power to do something like that. They're already put in check when they're bashing people over the heads and, and destroying property. Yeah. Thinking that they're running the show. So you know? how, do, how do you how do you go about now since you're not in charge and they come and say, OK, you know, Eric, we heard you on cross pol- <laughs> we heard you on cross politic and we was wondering if you could come and fix the situation. So you roll in what there do now. Do now? What, what do you do? Uh, you know what you send in? You get I would get the National Guard. I get my officers together. I reiterate the fact that I have their I have their back. Let them know that we will deal with each situation. When when we talk about the whole issue of police brutality, that has created such tension on all sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and right now you have officers. Are you guys familiar with the whole concept of the Ferguson effect that took place uh, during yes. every, all the drama that yes. took place in Ferguson? Sure, but our listeners would love a recap. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, right. Um, well, during the whole Michael Brown case and uh, Darren Wilson, yep. after the all the repercussion and anger that took place between the the uh, those those who were stating that the police were known to be racist or excessively violent. What what ended up happening was the a lot of the police departments, a lot of police officers felt as if they didn't have the support mm. of the of the uh, their there's of the state or, yep. or the city, the county, mm-hmm. and uh, of their supervisors. So instead of being proactive in their policing, they started drawing back. And what you saw was a spike in crime, which basically happened nationwide, primarily in some of your more major cities. So you had a spike in crime mm-hmm. nationwide. Mm-hmm. So right now, you, there's, and this is pretty much has been going on since 2014, 2015. Yeah. So, so everything we're seeing now is just a continuation of all of the, what I call, what I, what I believe to be an overblown statement of the problem. All these, my personal opinion is what uh, what we're seeing is the media's influence, a, a political and media combined effort yeah. to to weaken the police, vilify the police, and that's what we're seeing now. So, so what? What? Because right now, I mean, I think I'm seeing this right, but Eric, you black, right? Right. Okay. So <laughs> I just make sure I see that. I right. Mean, it depends on who you talk to. Well, my conservative leanings, some folks right, don't think I right. am. But hey, you know. So then, what is the problem? Because I think a lot of people who are living in Minneapolis, I lived in Minneapolis. They say there we got a problem. Some with the police. So when you look at the problem, what are you seeing as the real problem, or what are you seeing as overblown? What I say is overblown is when you hear people like your Benjamin Crump. He's like the attorney for yeah. the Arbery family. Right. Yep. He was involved in the Trayvon Martin case. When you have people like uh, Crump. When you have the people like Black Lives Matter, when you have your OG race baiters, as I call them, like your Al Sharptons and your oh, Jesse, Jack- oh, oh, Jesse Jacksons, yeah, original. Trust me. Yeah, I'm from New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey, so I knew it. I've been seeing. I, I knew. I knew Fat Al Sharpton. You know, not skinny. <laughs> yes, not skinny Al. yes. <laughs> Chicken eating Al Sharpton. I know what you're talking so, about. But when you have people whose business it is, like Booker T. Washington, Washington famously stated, whose business it is to be race agitators. What they do is they take problems, which I'm not denying. I'm not denying that there isn't an issue with police brutality. There is. There have been issues, but when they say it's an epidemic, mm. and they and, and they have the media support to magnify, they take a few individual cases where where cops 
cops were either mm. used poor judgment or even sometimes they didn't use poor judgment. It was just a controversial case yeah. like the Michael Brown case. If you read the Department of Justice report yeah. on that case, it was clear from the eyewitness testimony, the, the credible eyewitness testimony, testimony I want to clarify, <laughs> and the DNA and the DNA evidence that that Michael Brown was the aggressor in that entire situation, and he was attacking uh, uh, Darren Wilson, yep. and he was attempting to take his weapon, which resulted in him being killed. This isn't my personal opinion. This is the Obama-led Department of Justice, Eric Holder-led Department of Justice report mm -hmm. on that case. Right. So what you have now is the media highlights every time a white officer and a black uh, citizen suspect when there's a shooting or there's an, a uh, what appears to be an excessive use of force, and it creates this picture as if the cops are hunting down the black man and trying to kill him, it 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 that that num that belief just doesn't add up mm. to the numbers when they're when they're examined. Mm. So, if you're in that situation in Minneapolis where you see Officer Chavin with his knee on. Floyd's neck. What do you do? What do what do I do? Yeah, as now, yeah, because you're talking about when I retired, I had 17 years on with Las, with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. Mm -hmm. So I was a vet. I was a veteran, but then at the same time, I've, I've always kind of had this contrarian and kind of rebellious uh, heart about <laughs> heart about me because uh, I did a presentation on my YouTube channel that's on my YouTube channel right now. I did a presentation in Tennessee back in February where I shared, I spoke on police brutality okay. and, and I discussed an issue that took place in my first night on the job when I was a corrections officer for Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. Mm. My first night on the job, there was an issue of police brutality and my field training officer and another officer. And I was right there. I was right involved, right in the midst of it. Mm. And I didn't know what to do. Mm. And so you had, because a couple of those officers who were involved in that in the um, George Floyd case? Yeah, were were rookies still yeah. on probation. They're on the week. Yeah, so it's it's a tough spot to be put in. Even though you're trained throughout the academy, they talk about if you see an officer being abusive with his authority, abusive with his power, that you're supposed to step in and get involved. That's a tough spot to be in. I'm not saying they shouldn't. Have, and from what I'm hearing, one of them actually suggested to Chauvin yeah. to adjust the position, take right. your knee off his neck. But he's a 19-year officer. You're the rookie. I'm all I'm saying is you have to truly know who you are mm -hmm. to be able to step to be able to step in and get and and take control of the situation if necessary. Because what I ended up doing was we ended up securing the guy and we transported him to disciplinary housing. But later on I had a conversation with my field training officer. And that's what I did, but it, but in a, in a I'm sure I I may be in the minority position, but I don't think Chauvin was like I'm gonna kill me a black man today. No, I don't think he, you can prove he, that. He, yeah, yeah, exactly. He used a I can't believe that this tactic, this technique was actually a justified or approved technique on a department. You're putting all your weight on some dude's neck. It's insane. So use what was an approved technique. And he probably got away with using it before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This time. It didn't look like it was his first time. That's for sure. So, <laughs> absolutely. You know, absolutely. So, he looked like he was familiar with 
familiar with uh, the technique, familiar with using it. Okay, so I feel like even the conversation we were having a little bit before the show, I feel like we can keep it real with each other and have this conversation. So I really appreciate this. So it seems like there's one side of the conversation that really wants to say we don't have any problems whatsoever with needing to reform the police. Hearing you talk, it's like, no, man, we got some issues, we got some things, but the way that people are magnifying it is definitely not the problem, right, Uh, that we need to deal with. So looking at the the situation right now where people want to dismantle and defund the police, how are are you talking about bringing reform in? Where are you at in this conversation and what really needs to be done? Because we are seeing some problems. You know, there's no question. Any time one excessive use of force by any officer is too much. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. But at the same time, we know, especially as Christian men, that uh, sin happens. Mm -hmm. And until we leave this earth, we will always have to deal with that sin nature. So we understand that that's something that's going to be that's that's going to be a unfortunate product of the human condition. So when we're dealing with these issues, we have to be honest enough. And I, I really take issue. There are a lot of people out there that are police apologists like 100 percent yeah right there's there's nothing an officer can do that's wrong yeah that's wrong Uh and to me you lose so much credibility and and it's kind of disingenuous because when officers are amongst themselves we'll talk bad about you know somebody a a bad cop Uh man this dude right here i don't want him on any of my calls yeah that's what we do that's just how we do it (laughs) and uh so Anybody who who is honest has to be able to look and look at themselves or look at policing in general and see that there are problems. Like one of my biggest issues is the entire military style, what they call it, paramilitary style of policing uh. that that is in a lot of the majority that I'm, I'm aware of, majority of police academies. Yeah. My my mindset is you should train, you should have that perhaps halfway through the academy. Because if you just drill, drill someone and you discipline, discipline, push-ups, if you make a mistake, it's all about thrashing, you know, smoking the guy. I'm an old soldier, so I, I understand that mindset. But when you just teach someone that, that when you instill that mm-hmm. mindset yep. into someone, yep. it's only, there's only going to, I can't see how it cannot flow through and how you end, end up uh, attempting to exact discipline or enforce discipline on someone else. Right. I think it should be. The first half of the academy, you make it a little a little tougher to see if they have the grit because it's a difficult job. Uh, and you need maybe to maybe like do a quiz on like biblical justice on the first half of the academy. Make it tough, <laughs> make it hard, get some principles instilled in them. There you go. But I think that there should be some semblance of discipline. It should be challenging, but like I said, because you deal with crime. There, there are days where you have to kick in a door and you have to take down a bad guy and you have to deal with someone in your face, cussing you out, talking about your mom, talking yeah. about anything they can just to piss you off and get yeah, you upset. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But at the same time, you also have to understand that we're not soldiers. We are, you know, we're citizens of the United States and we police and we enforce the laws within our, our country. And, and But the vast majority of the time, we're just coming in contact with normal everyday people. Yeah. And you have to be able to make that distinction between the two. Hey, what role has uh, police unions and uh, immunity from the 1980s, what role has that played in holding uh, or, or allowing the uh, police to have an honest conversation with its citizens on this issue? What role has unions so, so unions largely, I see unions as largely protecting police officers 
and propping up a barrier in this conversation. Because when you come, when a citizen comes and says, hey, look, I think we really do have a police brutality problem. Well, the unions are like, hey, you know, no problem here. We got all the power. We got all the control. And we don't want you messing with our officers. Uh, I would say that there's some truth to that because the unions do offer protections. And and uh, to be honest with you, there are times where, you're, where you appreciate that. Because there is such a thing as a frivolous lawsuit. Sure. Someone, sure. Could, just, someone could just sue you because... I've had people accuse me of beating them up when I never even put hands on them. Mm -hmm. So you have to deal with that issue. So I do believe that it's good to offer some protections for law enforcement based on the very nature of the context that we have with the public, because you deal with a lot of, you deal with a lot of idiots. But do you need the unions for that? Or you just need, you know, cameras and a good police chief for that? Um, You know, cameras don't always show all the picture. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't always show the complete picture. And cameras are a new thing as far as them being widespread. That's something that's only really come into play over the last few years. Sure. So, so I think yes, the more information that we can have, if we if we have good leadership, it definitely plays a role. I think there needs to be a balance. Like here in Vegas, I was out with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. They had. We have a union, strong union. I appreciated the union, but also there were times where you see. I would say there were times where I had conversations. I'm like, man, we can't fire anybody. I mean, there were, yeah, I was saying, it, was, exactly. it, was almost like a, it was almost like a running joke. You'd be like, man, you have to pretty much kill somebody in order to lose your job. That's yeah. right. So I, so I think Dang. that there is a place for Which some balance. This is what happened to Chauvin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, well, it, it, but, but I think that your point, your, time, your point, your point's a good, that's, that's the point I'm getting at is where um, the, the police union protects its cops so much when come, when someone comes in and says, hey, look, I, I've seen this police brutality. I've seen my brothers being pulled yeah. over while driving while black. I've that, seen I've that, seen that some guy, issues. That guy is a bad cop. That guy is a bad cop. And then the police department says, uh, "So what? We can't well, we we can't do anything about it." Yes and no. I think there's some validity what you're saying to some degree, but then also I was just having a conversation with a buddy of mine. He works in recruiting here in Las Vegas with the uh, Las Vegas Metro Police, and we were point we constantly hype we we're constantly telling people. When you have an issue with the police officer, take it to internal affairs. I think this mindset that nothing bad ever happens to the police is is totally ludicrous. Mm-hmm. But yes, it is difficult to to terminate a cop. But at the same time, if you have solid evidence, solid, uh, and then you see a track record with a certain individual, uh-huh. all these things can come into play. Man, no officer wants to go to internal affairs. Uh-huh. It's not like we it's not like we go there and we just kick back with our hands behind our, our heads and we're like, <laughs> oh, okay, we'll just go through these this this motion here because we know we're gonna cut you loose. No, I've seen guys t- lose their job. I've known officers that went to prison. Like I knew them as in like good f- friends. Like we hung out together uh-huh. in prison. So it's not as if I, I, I honestly believe that a lot of the information that we hear and get about policing is just so far off base because of where we're getting it from. Yes, there can be issues. There can be abuses. There have been, there have been abuses, but it's, it's, we, I think, I think policing doesn't get the credit it deserves for Mm. the way that they have, it has constantly evolved in order to be more, for lack of a better word, inclusive and, and uh, developing citizen review boards 
and the constant checks and balances yeah. that law enforcement has. There are a, a tremendous amount. Yes, you still will have problems because you have officers who are empowered to go individually and act yep. and, and function in, in a society. But this idea, this, this mindset that cops are just getting away with quote unquote murder or just doing um, probably a, a bad choice of words in light of the context that we're talking about, but that cops are just getting away with doing whatever they want to do. Yeah. I think that's a little far fetched to be honest with you. What do you, what do you think of the doctrine of qualified immunity? So that, that's this, this is the constitutional legal doctrine in the U S that uh, shields, you know, government officials from being sued uh, for actions performed within their official capacity unless the actions can be clearly demonstrated to violate clearly established federal law or constitutional rights. Um, is, is that a biblical idea? Uh, you know what? Never really thought about it in the concept of whether it's a biblical idea. And I, I never really even wrestled with that. That's something that I just have to think about a little bit more. Yeah. I think that, um, I think it kind of correlates to what I said just a few minutes ago sure. due to the fact that there is a consistent, uh, there's a there's a large amount of there there would be so many people seeking to sue the the police for the most ridiculous things, but even then, let's honestly, if you had an issue with the police and you felt as if your rights were violated, you can get a lot. You could sue a cop. You could sue an agency. Yep. And odds are, you would probably win, because what they consistently want to do is settle out of court. So it's not like cops are immune. I think it depends on what we're on what the what the circumstances, sure. what all's involved in it. But it's not like it, it's, I knew here in Vegas that I remember talking to one of our captains and she said that usually when we have a, a, law, a lawsuit, when we're sued, we just settle, we just settle out of court. And I was like, yeah. why is that? And I said, it kind of, kind of looks bad. And she was like, well, it's usually cheaper. <laughs> that's you, right. You are, yeah. No, that was it. So yeah, that's, really a, that's another bad. Forget, forget about justice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, Eric, but, but what, I, what, I, I got one question. Here I, I want to go back to what okay. Pastor told me something because I think it's important that I'm we talk move, about I'm that being a biblical or not. Yeah, you know. Well, I, I mean, I, so I think the basic biblical pattern is one of what what we've slipped into in this country is the idea of a preventative justice, yes, rather than punitive justice. Um, God gives the sword to the magistrate to punish evildoers. That's right. But what we've drifted into is is sort of a nanny state. And a, and a nanny state is one that's always trying to prevent bad things from happening. That's now, right. I'm a big fan of the. Can I chime in real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Are you talking about in light of like cop police work in in light of that? Like, all are you talk about a nanny state because uh, uh, all of it, I think. Because what? Let's just say like, you, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Yep. And and we look at it. From that's the preventative. Of, we look at, but you look at it from the perspective of your the the seventy year old mom. A grandma calls and she says, officers, can you come and patrol our area? Because we have gangbangers in front of our apartment yeah. complex and they're they're harassing the residents and they're selling drugs and they're doing all kinds of uh, they're, and they're doing all kinds of problems. I don't think it's a bad thing to say, you know what, let's see what we can do about it. So officers drive and they patrol that area just to make sure that they're keeping the peace. They're they're eliminating the problem. I don't think that that's when you say preventative justice, I think that in this situation, that's doing a good thing as opposed to saying, no, we'll wait. And I'm not sure if this is what you're saying. So I don't want to put words in, in your mouth. So sure. I, I apologize. No, if you're, I fine. Did. you're fine. But if you if you're sitting back and you're just waiting for crime to take place, 
when a little bit of effort could have been put into place to minimize the problem in a specific area. I'm not sure if that's a good way to demonstrate that we're actually loving our neighbor. I, I yeah. mean, I'd like to hear what your perspective is. Yeah, on. no. So what I would say though is, I think the problem is, is that um, uh, when we actually go punish evildoers, frequently uh, we don't actually punish them. Um, and so, oh, I agree. and so I, I think um, what we need is you actually need. Um, so I don't mind uh, the you know sort of uh, safe call, you know, um, you know, well, well check, you know, kind of thing. Welfare check. Welfare check. Right. To a degree. I don't mind. I don't mind the check. But then what? What needs to happen though is is it's it's like is there a crime being committed of some sort um, or not? But otherwise, um, the, that's a slippery slope because you got to have a police you know stationed on every corner of the street right. now. If you're really going to prevent everything bad from happening, which you know nobody can do, that's not realistic. Yeah, but, but, and you don't have the manpower. For exactly, yeah. but I think what happens though is with this qualified immunity thing is I think I'm I'm I tend to I think I, I don't think it's a good idea. I think what should happen is I think people who bring priv- frivolous lawsuits ought to be punished for friv- frivolous lawsuits. Yeah. Um, that's agree. right. That's um, right. Rather than just having a law that says you can't sue cops and just. Uh, you know, or it's really hard to. Now, I know I, I'm hearing what you're saying, and I, I'm glad to hear that maybe it's not quite as hard as it sounds. But I think that itself, I think, probably contributes, though, to a certain kind of culture. That's right. Um, on both sides of the issue, well, both among citizens and among officers, that's just not healthy. Whereas if a crime has been committed, then it ought to be punished to the full extent of the law. And that itself, the punishment itself, actually functions as a kind of preventative. But that's God's prevention because you don't you know when somebody kills somebody you know you got the death penalty coming you know Mm. that puts a damper that's on, right. On murder. That's right. right? I mean, it's like, uh, and and let's no not doubt. make an other thing that happens in that slippery slope is we make everybody the drug dealer. That's true. And so I don't want to make everybody the drug dealer. Tell light out drug dealer. You know, and, I don't, and, and now you got an Eric Garner kind of situation right. where somebody's selling, you know, cigarettes. cigarettes. And, and we always are given the responsibility to police officers to be the one who are doing the well checks. But where's the man in the neighborhood? That's true. Where's the father? I know that's Johnny's yeah, yeah, boy yeah. over there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that saves y'all, you know, Eric, from having to be daddy. Because the truth yeah. is, I don't want y'all oh, to be daddy. Yeah. <laughs> you, know I mean? you know what? I don't want to be daddy. Yeah. I'm already a daddy. But, <laughs> I think, I'm not trying to be everybody's but, daddy. But yeah. I think but our, I agree. Laws, I agree. our laws put police officers in the situation where they got to be daddy and say, yeah. pull your pants up. Don't be on the corner. Go do. No, no, no. It ain't y'all's job to be doing that. It's y'all's Our job. Our laws have put police officers in a position where we're daddy, we're mom, yep. we're, yeah. the social wor- we're the social work, we're the social worker, we're the psychiatrist, yep. we're, the, we're the on some occasions we're the medical, we're like you're the, the judge. The, you know, I mean, let's be real. That's yeah, real. Let's keep it real. Know, so, I so, think, so, so, so thinking about it in that way, preventative, we start making clear lines of what's the response because you know this, man. You know good and well. People will call you in a second to go get the drug deal off the corner, and when you ask them to identify who the drug dealer is, they will tell you, "I don't know." <laughs> you know good and well who, who, who are you talking about but that's where good policing comes in you go in there and you investigate because half the time half the information that we get a good cop is going to go in there and he's going to investigate and find out whether there's a problem or not yeah. but, you know and but that's i've watched I, i've watched my mom do this in our own community i watched my mom chase off the johns and the prostitutes in the community mm-hmm. because the police couldn't be there to catch him in the act but she was there. I watched my right. mom chase off and pray around the drug dealers and say, you can't be on this corner selling drugs. Where's your mama at? Where's your grandma at? I know your people. You need a job. I mean, I watched the community engage in such a way that really the police officers were really there to catch criminals. So if something was an interaction with my mom where it became physical, you know, 
we were there to deal with it. And then we had witnesses. Now we actually had a real crime to investigate, you know. And so I watched the people in a community give up their own responsibility and want the police to do to, everything to for them. Yep. And then they get well, mad when they I don't think, do it. I think to some degree, some of the problems with that is is the increased crime rate and the amount of violence that some people like I, me personally, I don't want my mom. My 77-year-old mom right. going down telling the drug dealer to get off the side of the street. I don't want her doing that. Because yeah. dad's not there. Yeah. But if my, yeah, that, exactly. Look, yeah, let's I go. Mean, yeah, that's, that's we're real. We're talking about issues. We're going back into like what much deeper than that at that moment. Absolutely. We're talking about where, where, where sure. was a father, sure. where sure. was a mom, Absolutely. what kind of a worldview was shaped for that individual. But my mom, and, uh, and, but so this we're is, talking about is, a lot of As much as I don't want that, and I'm like 12 or 13 at the time, sure, I was with her, but as much as I didn't want that, there was no more effective way than having some Somebody from the community and then watching her stand up as bad as it was, I see men stand up and say, hey, man, this is your elder woman. Speak to her with respect. Then they would engage. But I watch the community engage and change the neighborhood because they knew that this this wasn't going to be tolerated on their corner. on their so, block. So, Knox, so Knox, are you saying let's defund the police and just do the community? <laughs> So I do I, what I want is prison, uh, not just prison, but police reform. I also yeah. want responsibility from the citizens. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I want I want to mature. But, but but real quick. But we're talking about a, the culture nowadays. It's not like it was 30 years ago. You yeah. know, True. when we were when, you know, when we were younger. True. These you have people right now. I, like, look at what happened with David Doran, for instance. Yeah, yep. that's real. Uh, former sheriff, yep. just gunned down. He he was known in that community. Yep. And and not even listen, we not even mentioning. Look at the city of Chicago. What was it? Just two weekends ago, yep. it was the most violent weekend in the history in yep. its history. Yeah, yep. shootings, deaths. Sixty we, deaths. We're at a culture. It would have to take a radical transformation, mm-hmm. which which ultimately brings us back to our foundations of the gospel. Right. It would ultimately take a radical transformation for the culture to have a shift. Mm-hmm. But you have so many evil influences coming, and people who attempt to shape our perspectives yep. by only showing half of the news story, for instance, or limiting what could be shared on social media. You have people living in fear in their own neighborhoods. Yep. We're, in a, we're in a bad spot. Well, so Eric, one of the things that's that's been brought up in all this is it does seem like there are two different standards between the cops and its citizens. So for example, um, if, you know, if we would have been in Minneapolis and watched the whole, sh- if I was that citizen, the black guy who's like, you know, Check his pulse. Um, check his pulse. Check his pulse, yeah. and he's he's sitting there pleading with Shelvin to like yeah. get off him, bro, and 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 the cop is 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 not um, stopping it, and and so as a citizen, at some point, you're like, I should bum rush that cop. I should mm. I should rush that cop and get him off him and save the guy's life. Eric's like, don't do that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But but what would happen? What would happen? <laughs> you're a dead man. You're a dead man. Exactly. Yeah. Eric is laughing because he know because there's two different standards there. Right? Yeah, it's a that's a, a difficult place to be in. Uh, it depends on who you're dealing with. Uh, when you say two different standards, uh, can you clarify that a little bit more? The cop ha- has, uh, in the current situation, the cop has every right mm-hmm. to continue to keep his knee on the guy's neck. Me, as a citizen, I don't have any right to save that guy's life. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, you have a, you're in a, it's an unfortunate, because I've had a lot of people bring, ask me that question. What do you do? Some people say, uh, perhaps attempt to plead with an officer from a different perspective because of the fact that they were being berated and cops are used to being berated. So oftentimes walls go up. Yep. Yeah. They don't want to listen. We you have what you're using. What is 
like I mentioned before, an approved technique. So he felt completely justified in what he was doing. But for me personally, like I said, I was in the army. I was a medic. So I, and, and I'm a jujitsu guy, Brazilian jujitsu guy. So I know there's certain techniques and certain tactics that to me, when I first saw that video, I was just dumbfounded. I'm appalled, angry, dumbfounded as to what department would try to say that that was a good technique. None of them did. And and so if you're asking the citizen to bum rush the guy, you're 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 opening yourselves up to a lot of different problems. I but, don't know. But I, I saved the guy's life. Rec- yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh, but at, at the same time, who knows if you couldn't end up down there? Oh, you will. Oh, with, oh, I would. I would. <laughs> Eric, you know what? That's happens. what I'm saying. I'm saying there's two <laughs> all, different all standards there. If you're gonna do that, yeah. be willing to recept, accept the full responsibility or repercussions. I should say. I'm not saying what what that would have been wrong, yeah. especially in light of what ended up happening in this in this event, in this situation, in this call. Yep. yep. But you just have to be willing to understand that. Hey, I could be the one on the ground. I could be. I could be going to jail yep. Eric, as a result of what I did. Eric, you said, you know, you think in all this, um, this is being weaponized. This is being um, blown out of proportion. You said, yeah. you know, the media, everybody, you know, they're taking some some real problems that are relatively minor. Earlier in the conversation, you actually called it an epidemic. Yeah. And we, we were talking. <laughs> Sounded familiar. We were actually talking on, we were, just before we got on with you, about how I just was thinking this morning, you know what? I think this is almost the exact same play that got run on us with COVID nineteen. Yeah, mm. uh, we we got we got you know a, a, a virus. It's it's got some bad stuff, and there's you know some right. people that are vulnerable. Yeah. But to shut the whole country down, suspending constitutional rights, shutting churches down, yeah. businesses yeah. down, and uh-huh. so forth. Um, it seems like the exact same plays get got run on us. Off some bogus stats. Um, uh, off, yeah, <laughs> some bogus stats. And like you look at the stats of police brutality, and it just doesn't add up. Um, what, exactly. um, so are, are you seeing a similar kind of play? Do we just get a one, two punch? I think a hundred percent. I think it's in, I think partly you're looking at it and it's, it's all been become political. Yep. All this anti-Trump mindset to get rid of him. And, uh, if you look at the last, let's say you look at from 2016, 2016 to 2019, when you look at the statistics and, and I try to use a variety of stats and numbers and figures so people can't oh, accuse me of, oh, well, your information is biased. Yeah. All data can be biased to some degree. Mm-hmm. And uh, But if you look at the Washington Post, they're not known as a beacon of conservative <laughs> Christian <laughs> values. Yeah, they, what are you talking about? They love Trump. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look, so the, because on one side, what we're consistently hearing is that it they're killing us, they're slaughtering us, Right. Uh, what did LeBron James say? A black man can't even walk down the street without them hunting us down. Yeah. Okay, he's talking so about Crips. I think, I think he's talking about Crips or Bloods. That's what <laughs> right. So let's back it up and let's look at the numbers and let's use this concept. Let's use the principle of, of the unarmed suspect, unarmed black man who was shot by the police. Yep. Even though I'm big to reiterate and remind people that unarmed doesn't automatically equate to you not being a potential deadly threat. That's right. I I mentioned routinely that every year, roughly a thousand people are killed where there's no weapon involved. They get choked out, suffocated, beat down. So people die every year, every day, basically where there's no weapon involved. Right, Right. But if we use that number, that's often put out there, often used a lot, of the unarmed black man who gets shot by the police, basically he was doing nothing. 
2016, there were 19, yep. 19 unarmed shootings. Now, and I've heard the number of police contacts range anywhere from 40 million, but I even heard Heather McDonald, who wrote the yep. book The War on Cops, yep. which yep. I highly recommend, say the number is up to 300 and plus million yeah. contacts. Right. Yeah, that's what I saw too. Exactly. Yeah. So if you look at that many contacts, so in 2016, you had 19. In 2017, there were 21. 2018, there were 17. And last year, 2019 or 2019, there were nine unarmed black men shot by the police. Mm. How in the world do you, does anyone who's rational equate that as being an epidemic? <laughs> Is it problematic? Are some of these case, are some of these events uh, calls where cops may have used excessive force, I'm, I guarantee you there were. Yeah. <laughs> where they where they overreacted. It yeah. just happened. Yes. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. I'm not justifying it. I'm not trying to minimize it. Yeah. But does that cor- do those numbers correlate to the claim that black men are being hunted down or that there's an epidemic? I'm sorry. Yeah. With that many interact police interactions yeah. happening every year, I don't get it. And yeah. I think that there's a political ploy. It ha- the emphasis happens every two to four years. Yep. They're trying to spin and push a specific narrative. And and they're what they're is that play? What, what is what's the play? What what are they what, what are they, they trying? Want, what yeah. do they want? Is it just about Trump? Or I mean, what do you think? What's what's the game plan? Well, it's more than just about Trump because they did it with Obama. It, yeah, but uh, it was going on when he was. And, and honestly, it's been going on for a long time. 2014 with. Like I said earlier, with Trayvon Martin, yep. it really kind of got the ball rolling. Yep. With the it really started developing some steam, and and a lot of these, I I think is it's I think it is there's a play to keep and maintain power from the Democratic Party, from the those with a leftist, uh, uh, and we're seeing more of the the radicals. Yeah. And their power and their views and their worldviews start come come more into play. The idea of abolishing the police, even a year ago, two years ago, would have been absurd. Yeah. Like we won't even. We like what? Yeah. Like yeah, they need there's, there's some yeah, problems. They real. need to be fixed. But now we have the idea, and and there's cities that are literally uh, moving forward with having unarmed people go into uh, who who don't use any tactics. Who just go in there and they just communicate yeah. and they just love they just love on people. A mall cop. A mall cop. They're gonna lay all their guns down. Minnesota's like, gonna bro. turn their police force into a mall cop. I have police a, force. <laughs> I have I have a friend who was a sergeant in LA. I think he did it for like thirty years, yeah. thirty five years. And uh he'd be the first person to smack somebody on the head, say, You big dummy, what are you doing? He t- he says it all the time. He's like police officers, he said he was training them. He's like, they don't get trained in de escalation very well. Yeah. And so he spends a lot of time in teaching them how to de-escalate a situation and to walk through and be thoughtful and be clear thinking about it. He's like, and it usually takes about five years before somebody is really capable and good enough to do this. Huh. Um, he's like, the guys who first come out of, of the, he said, like, they need to say, out of the academy, out of the academy. They've been, they've been trained they, like, like Eric was right, saying. And they yeah. need a, a more mature guy who knows the communities yeah. in to be able to say, these people aren't like those people, even though they might look the exact same. Yeah. And All so right. he, he says, it's look, like cage stage reform theology, d- right? <laughs> Yeah, chill out. Yeah, chill hold out. on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not every verse is but, about predestination. Right. <laughs> it's not. Okay, okay, we'll talk about it in a second. But but what, one of the things he said is like, listen, man, we have over two million interactions in LA. Yeah. Two million. He's like in like point I think it was point five or point eight percent ended or ended poorly. Yeah. 
He's like, some of them were justified, some of them weren't. He's like, but you look at two million, yeah. and the only thing that people are talking about are the point five or point two percent. Yeah. He's like, why? But, but that's the thing is, we just came out of this whole COVID mess. Exactly. And we're talking we're, point we're, one. We're talking the same and, kind of stats, and, and people are like, no, if you go outside, someone might die. And and the the reason this play works unless is, you're rioting and protesting. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Then you develop a, a sudden immunity. It's true. <laughs> Speaking of qualified immunity. Uh, <laughs> Our audience, but the reason for this, though, is we can't hey, miss this one play. thing that I've always suggested, though, because I got my base as a corrections officer in the Indiana Department of Prisons or okay. Indiana. Uh, it was a Westville Correctional Center in Westville, Indiana. And I worked there for three and a half years. Yeah. And, and this is a this was a maximum security prison at the time. I was fresh out of the army. I was all, you know, straight laced and, you know, and it was by the book. One hundred percent. Yeah. But then when you start having to deal with guys who have 30 years, 20 years, they're, they're convicts. They, I mean, they are sold out to this world, this lifestyle, gangster disciples from Chicago, vice right, lords, right. Yep. Latin kings. And then you have to so, slowly I had to learn that not every battle is a hill to die on. Yeah. Sometimes you got to communicate with people. You have to find ways. Like what motivates him? as Once you start getting to know him, what motivates him as an individual? I'm of the mindset that officers should be 24, 25 years old and that in, in order to develop their personal interpersonal communication skills so you learn how to better de-escalate without necessarily having to go to a tool, you don't have your gun when you're in a jail or when you're in the prison. You don't have yeah. – a lot of times you don't even have pepper spray on you. You don't have a taser. It's just you, your radio – your a voice. set of handcuffs yeah. and whether or not you can talk well and communicate well or not. Yeah. So I've always been an advocate of send them in older, uh, hire cops as they're older because they command more respect from the community for one. Mm -hmm. And then you learn it. And if you've done at least a year, a year and a half in the jails or in the prison, you have some corrections experience. I think that can go a long way <laughs> with your ability mm -hmm. to be able to deescalate. And lastly, have a better maintain a higher physical fitness standard and be better with their uh, their defensive tactic skills because a lot of guys they're they're in poor shape they can't fight their way out of a wet paper yeah. bag oh. so when 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 the crap when the crap hits the fan yeah the tolerance level is low yeah just pull they're out the gun. gun yeah, yeah. that's all that's they right. got because, because they don't have any other tools that's right and that is a place where the union does play a role because I remember trying to get on a physical fitness uh, standard with the with Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department and the union did not want that at all because they didn't want anyone using that as a means by terminating someone. Yeah. And it was a battle. I still think they need a, a required course with Gary DeMar on biblical justice. I don't, um, I you don't know, doubt part that. of all the police <laughs> training. But, yeah. but they we, you know. could Eric could team teach that way maybe with Gary. Can we set that up? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can't for, <laughs> you know, we always talk about strategic and feasible. Right now, I think we need to look at our police force as strategic and feasible for liberals to come in and actually well, capture they, that ground. They got it on Capitol Hill in Seattle and right now. There, there's a reason for that, and we need yeah. to be mindful of what's going on while we yeah. also have our own convictions about the police force. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah. I don't trust anybody who can't tell the difference between a man and a woman and tell me all of a sudden what justice looks like. Uh -huh. Oh, seriously. Yeah. You know I mean? or, so, yeah. or a little baby in this yeah. mother's yeah. womb. Exactly. Yeah. Eric, what's the website we can check you out at? You can find me on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, 
Type code red conversations. All right. And there, and there you'll find me. Very good. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you for joining us. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them That's until right. Sunday. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. And download our app. Oh, aren't we going out of town? Don't we have some guest people coming? We do. Up? We, we do. Guest yeah. hosts. We got some surprises oh, coming out of the Oh, snap. It's going to yeah. be great. Uh-oh.